Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Successful Woman Radio Show brought to you by WomenAboutBiz.net, empowering you with the tools and resources to grow and start your very own business. This is Trina Newby, your host and business success coach, broadcasting to you live this Monday, July 22nd, 2019, and as always, bringing you inspiration, motivation, and ways to make your business, your dreams, and your ideas, guess what, a huge success. Well, happy Monday, ladies. How are all of you? I trust that all of you are are in the midst of, of your Monday and that you are planning for a fantastic week. Now, as a reminder, if you haven't had the time to review your calendar, you guys know, right, I am always going to remind you to view your calendar and make sure that the activities you have listed in your calendar are supporting the goals that you want to accomplish by weekend, which is normally Friday, right? So that's going to be very important. So if you have not did that, then what I want you to do is after you get through listening to the show, you need to go right to your calendar and literally start making sure that you just don't have a lot of busy work in there, but that you actually have uh, goals and tasks and different things that are supporting what you want to see happen by Friday. Well, it's a beautiful day here in Atlanta, Georgia. It's hot, um, and I know probably all around the U.S. there's some, somewhat of a heat wave going on. I know especially in the southeastern part of the U.S. Not sure if it's cool for some of you in other areas, but I think probably all over it's very, very hot. And so this gives you an opportunity to get out there and do some networking, right? Beautiful day, sunshiny. There's nothing like just not knowing who you're going to be meeting and going out there with your business cards, going to a Starbucks coffee shop, going into a Panera Bread to eat lunch. And when a person makes eye contact with you, you say hello to them. If it's someone um, that you feel comfortable with walking up to because they seem to have a really great and friendly disposition, go up to them, say hello, I am, fill in the blank, and then say, is it okay if I give you my business card or let you know what I do? Because you people are more receptive than they are rude, right? Most people will say sure. And so we have to get past all of our fears of introducing ourselves. And so today... As we continue on with the theme, Relentless Businesswoman, what we're going to be talking about today is really all about developing business relationships, and that's a huge thing for women. Uh, We buy from who we like and trust, and so it's so very, very important for us to understand that that's a two-way street. And so we have to not only develop business relationships because we want something from the other person, but we have to develop a business relationship because we are willing to give out just as much as receive, right? And that's going to be very, very important. And if you learn that one simple rule, and it's kind of like the golden rule in business relationships, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. Whatever you want to receive, you have to be willing to give. I can remember a while back I was talking with a client, and she was a little bit upset, and I, I sat down with her and I talked with her, and she shared with me that um, she was in some business relationships that she felt was not productive, and I asked her what did she mean by that. She she went on to share with me that she had been going to networking events. Um, whenever people invited her to different things, she didn't have a problem with going and, and supporting those individuals. Whenever people asked her to, um, you know, help them out by purchasing a product or trying out a service, she never had a problem with doing that. And she felt like she was on empty. She felt like she was on zero in her tank, right? Because she had given up to so many people, 
but the relationships that she was in from a business perspective, she wasn't feeling that she was actually getting anything in return. So we're going to be talking about that. Do, should we feel that we should be getting anything in return? Um, you know, sh- how should we be responding to people in business relationships when we feel that we are giving everything but that we're not getting anything back? So we're going to talk about that. And I've got some, some interesting perspectives on that for you um, that I think will help you to have a aha moment today as far as where should you be when it comes to developing your business relationship. So very excited about that. And then, of course, we're going to continue all this month with Relentless Businesswoman um, because we talked about or have been talking about actually since June the type of attitude that we actually have to have in order to start making things happen in our businesses. You know, here we are six months out from the end of the year, and a lot of women are feeling like they don't want to do anything else. You know, it's too late. I need to just go ahead and plan for 2020. But that's really not true. That's not the case. I think when you have a relentless attitude about things, time really isn't, you realize the importance of time, but you're going to take advantage of it. But as far as time frames and feeling like it's too late or feeling like you have to get things done. For the relentless businesswoman, every day is an important day. Every minute, every second, every hour is important to her. She's going to take advantage of it all. And so she's going to continue to be persistent, consistent, everlasting, pushing through, uh, never ending. That is the type of attitude that a relentless businesswoman is going to have. And so what I want to recommend to all of you, I want to recommend that you really set yourself down and have a really good talk with yourself, a gut-wrenching, truthful talk with yourself. And I want you to ask yourself one question. What you to ask yourself is, am I relentless in my pursuit of success? Okay, again, am I relentless in my pursuit of success? Because you see, in order for you to be successful financially, in order for you to be successful spiritually, physically, mentally, in order for you to, to, to be a well-rounded businesswoman and to see things happening in your business, you've got to be relentless. And to put it in the words of Les Brown, you've got to be hungry, my sister, right? You've got to be hungry because when you're hungry, when, when you want something so bad, you can taste it. When you want something so bad that you are willing to put it priority and make it happen for yourself, then relentless comes into play. And I think I've mentioned that before as well is that there are two things that really have to come together to make you probably one of the most powerful women that there are, and that is having unshakable faith. Remember that level of belief so deeply rooted within yourself that it compels you to take swift and immediate action. And when you add that with being relentless, consistent, persistent, everlasting, continual, oh, my, 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 you're talking about a recipe, an explosive recipe for success like never before. Here's what I've learned. What I've learned is that you don't have to know everything there is to know to make your business grow. You don't, you don't have to have everything in place and everything has to be perfect in order to start seeing success in your business. But what you do have to have is you have to have a leadership mindset. You have to have the type of mindset that is consistent and persistent, ever-going, continual, and you have to have a level of belief in yourself so deeply rooted that it compels you to take action. So very key. And today, again, we're going to be talking about, as we continue on with our theme about becoming a relentless businesswoman, later today, we're going to be talking about developing business relationships, because we can't do without people. We can't do without people at all. And I, I had shared right at the beginning of the show that I've had a client to share with me before her, her dismay, her disappointment at the business relationship she had, because she felt like she was giving everything but she was not receiving anything in return. So we're going to get into developing business relationships. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Also on the show today, of course, I have the five questions of leadership and authority, which is so very, very important. 
In addition to that, uh, of leadership and authority, I also have another excerpt from my favorite book. That's right, No Excuses by Brian Tracy, right? I'm going to be reading from Chapter 12. And for those of you who have purchased the book um, and who are reading right along with me, I'm reading, going to be reading from Chapter 12, page 177, as we discuss self-discipline and money. Ooh, that's a good one, right? And wait till you hear what he has to say about that. I tell you, I I have been going through each chapter of this book, no excuses, and I have literally been just the whole book is highlighted, right? Because there's so many areas that I felt compelled to highlight for myself personally, and uh, one of the things that I have promised myself is that I'm going to go back through this book after. A, after I spent in the book club with it, I'm going to personally go back over it for myself and really apply as much as I possibly can, apply many of the principles of this book. I have determined that the no excuses policy is where I want to go when it comes to being the type of businesswoman that my business needs. I want to be a woman of solutions. I want to be a woman of no excuses. Now, let me just share this with you guys right quick because a lot of people, I don't know, they kind of frown when they hear no excuses because some people say, well, you know what, Trina, there really are some valid excuses as to why I haven't did such and such in my business. But let me just share this with you. And this is what I have learned. No matter how valid something is, no, no matter how valid the excuse or the reason, it could be a really good reason, ladies, it's still an excuse. Because an excuse is basically a justification as to why something has not been completed or done, right? And uh, so, therefore, there could be valid excuses, valid reason. Oh, I was in the hospital for five days. That's a valid excuse, right? Uh, oh, you know, I was in a car accident. That's a valid excuse. Oh, my child had 105 temperature. That's a valid excuse, right? But what I want you to understand is that Embracing the no excuse policy doesn't mean to ignore valid excuses, but what it does mean is to to come up with solutions. It means to come up with alternative routes, to come up with a plan B, to be prepared, to be proactive in making sure that things are being taken care of your business so when emergencies happen, when things occur that you can't handle them at the time, that you've got someone else to take care of that for you, or you have a plan B ready to roll. That's what no excuses means. It means that, you know, regardless of the excuses that I may have that are valid or not valid, I am responsible for the success and growth of my company and I cannot even allow myself to get in the way of that. And that's what that means. And sometimes we are not going the route that we need to go on our success journey. We think we're doing something right. We think we're busy because we're shuffling papers, pushing paperwork, but that's not necessarily true. Many of you have given me great feedback and comments on, on the book, No Excuses, Chapter 11, uh, with self-discipline and sales. That's what we read last week, and I even went on and did another commentary on it separately in a Facebook Live in our Women About Biz group. So if you have a chance, go back in the Women About Biz group on Facebook and take a look at um, that commentary and the excerpt that I read. Um, and, and I just want to, again, paraphrase again, self-discipline and sales. Brian Tracy shared a story about how he was really busy pushing paper and busy being busy, and one day he looked up and was almost bankrupt, almost didn't have any money. And he then realized that a large majority of all of his time really needs to go towards sales and marketing. As a matter of fact, he gave it a specific percentage. He says 75% of all of your time really should be spent on sales and marketing, and while there are many other aspects of your business that are important, you need to understand that if you're not going to bring any money into the business, then everything else is moot point. It doesn't matter what is going on everywhere else because if no money is coming in, the business is not going to last. And so he's simply saying 
sales and marketing is a priority in your business, and there's nothing else that should be coming in front of it. So I did a commentary on what should you be doing with your business time on a daily basis, and I talked about the majority of your time should be spent, 75% of it, as a matter of fact, 75% of it should be spent literally, literally doing sales and marketing. So I want you ladies to go back and read Chapter 11, Self-Discipline and Sales. And later on, we're going to cover self-discipline and money. So let's get started with today's Agenda on Successful Woman Radio as we go right into five questions of leadership and authority. Again, five questions of leadership and authority. Here's number one. Am I clear on my role as CEO of my company? Number two, what are my business priorities, sales tasks to implement, my marketing? What are my business priorities? What is it that I'm trying to get done by weekend on Friday? Here's number three. Do I have a bird's eye view of the following areas? And again, you want to have a bird's eye view of all of your daily workflow, your marketing, your follow-up, your sales, tasks, delegation, things that you have other people doing, you really want a bird's eye view of that, right? And normally a bird's eye view literally means that you're able to either pull up a content manage, uh, I'm sorry, a contact management system or a customer relations system. You're able to pull up some type of calendar system where you can literally see what's happening in your business overall on a daily basis. You need to be able to have that bird's eye view. And that is how most CEOs keep up with what's going on. So a CEO's responsibility is to really be concerned with the overall view and health of the company, right? That is why CEOs often ask for a lot of reports. There are a lot of other people within that company that are going to provide reports to that CEO. But what happens when you're a solo when it's just you, well, it doesn't mean that you're not supposed to look for those types of reports. You, you need to have your hands on the post beat of what sales are coming in, how many new leads are coming into your business, you know, what do you need to follow up with, what projects are being completed. You still need to know all of those things, and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that small business owners make is that they take that word small to be literally – um, that I'm not supposed to function like a large corporation or I'm not supposed to function like a big company. I'm a small business, therefore I need to think small. And that's not true at all. If you are to grow your business, if you are to scale your company at all, you have to start out thinking big, right? You don't start thinking small. You start out thinking big. You start out having the right type of foundation and structure for your company. So even if you're a solo entrepreneur, you still are responsible for having a daily workflow plan, right? You're still responsible for having a um, a funnel system for your sales and your marketing. You're still responsible for all of that. And what re- what it requires you to do is to properly divide your time up between the three most important roles that have to be played in your company, which are, right, laborer, manager, entrepreneur, visionary. And, and your time has to be properly divided up. And as you grow your company, you're able to delegate to more people then you release the labor role and you move on with the management and the entrepreneur visionary role and so on. And as your company continues to grow, the larger your role as the CEO or entrepreneur visionary becomes. Here's number four. Am I allowing my power team to work for me in helping to execute my daily workflow? Now, ladies, this is something that um, I think a lot of businesswomen tend to have a problem with it. I find that a lot of businesswomen who are micro-business owners or solo entrepreneurs have not yet created their power team of individuals that can help them move their business to the next level. So if you haven't developed the power team, which is basically a support team of individuals who are doing different things that you need in your specific business to help you to move things forward, then that's, that's something that you really need to go back and take a look at because just because you are a solo entrepreneur, it does not mean that you are supposed to be by yourself, okay? I just want you to understand that. You're not supposed to be by yourself. It means that 
if you are a solopreneur, you need to stay structured, be clear on who you are as the CEO, and develop your skills to become a master in learning how to delegate and leverage the talent and potential of other people. That's what your responsibility should be. Here's number five. Last but not least in the five questions of leadership and authority, do I have a delegation system in place to activate my power team? Now, this is huge because this has a lot to do with number four in allowing your power team to help you. You know, in order to have the right kind of power team and in order to get your power team activated and moving on your behalf, you have to already have a delegation system in place. Without a delegation system, you're not going to be a very functional person in delegating and following up with your power team, your support team of people, right? So you need to work on having that delegation system in place so that you can activate, get that power team going. Very, very important. And there you have it, five questions of leadership and authority. Again, you can ask yourself these questions every day, and I can guarantee you quite often you're going to find that you will have different answers for these questions because as you grow, you're going to find that your answers are going to change and challenge you even more to move to the next level. For example, maybe you do have a power team, but maybe it's a smaller power team right now. Maybe you only have two or three people on your power team, but as you're growing, your power team is going to scale, right, which is then going to require your delegation system to, to change, evolve, and get even larger um, and be even more effective. And so, again, these questions, if you ask them of yourself like you should on a frequent basis, are going to help you to hone in on your leadership skills and it's going to help you to become a better leader. And it's also going to let you know where your weak areas are, where you can discuss it with your business coach, whoever that might be. You know, again, it's very, very important. I want to challenge all of you, and I want to, again, congratulate many of you who have already scheduled Power Talk sessions with me to talk about getting clearer on your role as the CEO. Again, I'm offering it to you again, a free Power Talk session specifically on getting clear on your role as the CEO of your business. So I want to share with you how you're going to do that. So you're going to go to womenaboutbiz.net. Again, womenaboutbiz.net. And once you get to womenaboutbiz.net, click on coaching in the top right menu bar. Once you click on coaching, you will see it right there in front of you, and it's going to tell you, you know, a free coaching session just for you. And go ahead and follow the directions where it says click here to schedule now. Follow those directions, and it will get you up and going and scheduling your power talk, specifically where we can discuss you getting clear on your role as the CEO. You know, I at one time thought, Lack of money could be a reason why I feel I, I, I might be failing my business, um, you know, just not knowing the right people. And all of that might have been true, but at the end of the day, it really had more to do with me being the best leader that I could be. Once I developed my leadership skills, once I learned how to be a CEO for the business, things changed. My mindset changed. Once I became an, a, a relentless businesswoman, never ending, always moving forward, taking action, trying to be a woman of solutions, wow, I really saw things happening. And then when I added unshakable faith, when I started believing in myself and when I started realizing that God already pre-installed everything that I needed to be extremely successful, when I embraced that and I understood that, my level of belief in myself completely changed, right? I stopped procrastinating. I stopped the sin of laziness and sloppiness and, um, and not doing things when I said I was going to do them. I started having an attitude of gratitude. I started being thankful for all of the gifts that God had given me, and I started believing in me. And when that happened, wow, I started seeing things happen incredibly. So I want to, again, encourage all of you to understand that if your business isn't bringing in the money that you want it to bring in, if, if things aren't going the way that you see them, change it. 
okay? Change it. You you already have the authority. You already have the power. You already have got permission to be extremely and wildly successful and thriving and abundant. You already have that, but you must believe it. You must believe it. And if you don't believe it, it's not going to happen, right? And it's just absolutely amazing to me at how, as women, we can sometimes allow our, our own selves, we can sabotage and allow ourselves to hold our own selves back from accomplishing um, the success that we know that we have the ability to do. So, again, it's time for you to understand that the type of mindset you need in order to make the rest of this year wisely successful is going to be that of becoming a relentless businesswoman, a woman who realizes that you must be a woman about solutions, that you must push forward, that you must, in everything that you do, take action on it, that you must literally change the, your beliefs and get rid of beliefs that are doing you no good and embrace the beliefs that are supporting you, supporting your dreams and your goals and, and helping you to be the best person that you can possibly be. Coming up, I've got self-discipline and money from Chapter 12, No Excuses with Brian Tracy. And for those of you who um, who have the book, Go ahead and get it out now and turn to page 177. So I really have, again, just appreciated this book so much because uh, Brian Tracy is a very good writer. He writes in a simplistic way for us to understand, and yet I respect Brian because he's not just a what I call a professional writer who who researches and then writes. He he's lived a lot of the stuff that he writes about, and because of that, I appreciate him even more. He says, according to the insurance industry statistics, of 100 people who start work at age 21, by age 65, one will be rich, four will be financially independent. 15 will have some money put aside, and the other 80 will still be working broke, dependent on pensions or debt. Wow. That's, that's pretty hard to take, huh? That's, that's amazing. So I want to give you these statistics again because they really need to stick. Of 100 people who start work at age 21, by age 65, one will be rich, four will be financially independent, 15 will have some money put aside, and the other 80 will still be working broke and dependent on pensions or debt. He says, most baby boomers today are planning to work into their 70s. Wow. Why is this? It is because they don't have enough money put aside so they can start working. The primary reason for financial problems in life is lack of self-discipline, self-mastery, and self-control. And I've talked about this before. That instant gratification can literally ruin our lives. The author goes on to say it is the inability to delay gratification in the short term. It is the tendency for people to spend everything they earn and a little more besides, usually supplemented by loans and credit card debt. Today, the savings rate in America is too low to achieve financial independence. After a lifetime of work, the average American family has a net worth of only about $8,000. People continue to spend and borrow as if there is no tomorrow. He says the good news is that we are living in the most affluent time in all of human history. There are more opportunities to achieve wealth and prosperity today for more people and in more different ways than have ever existed in the history of man. It has never been more possible for you to achieve financial independence than right now. He says, but you must make a resolution to do it, and then you must follow through on your resolution. And he goes on to talk about the reason for financial failure, and this is the part where I think we all need to pay attention to it. He says, the primary reason why most adults have financial problems is not low earnings. He says, in their book, The Millionaire Next Door, Thomas Stanley and William Danko show that two families living on the same street in the same size house 
and working at the same job can have completely different financial situations. By the age of 45 or 50, the couple in one house will be financially independent while the couple next door is deeply in debt and having trouble making the minimum payments on their credit cards. The reason for this is not the amount of money they earn. The reason is lack of self-discipline and the inability to delay gratification. Why is this weakness of character so prevalent among the majority of adults in society today? He says it goes back to early childhood. When you were a child and you received money, whether it was your allowance or a gift from a friend or relative, the first thing you thought of doing was to spend that money on candy. Candy is sweet. Candy is delicious. Candy fills your mouth with a wonderful sugary flavor. You liked candy when you were a child, and you probably could seldom get enough of it. Many children will eat candy until they become physically ill because it tastes so good. As you grew older, you developed what psychologists call a conditioned response to receiving money from any source. He says, like Pablo's dogs, when you receive money, you mentally salivate at the the thought of spending this money on something that makes you happy, at least temporarily. And, you know, I I remember uh, growing up as a child, different relatives and people making comments about money and uh, making comments about what they were going to do with money or if they didn't have money. And I can remember relatives saying, you know, I don't have a lot of money, but I might as well put something on time or get it on credit and and try to enjoy the life I have right now. So that attitude in a lot of Americans is still going on right now is that people are more interested in right now than they are in long term. And let me just say this. The problem with that is is that when you enjoy everything that's in the front window now, and there's nothing left in the storage room, then what's going to happen is as you get older, you are going to experience the consequences of your decisions all that much more. And by the time you are in your 60s and your 70s, what's going to occur is that you're going to find yourself very tired. Your body's not going to want to do a whole lot of work. It wants to rest and you can't rest, and you're working against the grain, and you are in a predicament that can cause not only uh, problems health-wise and and stress-wise, but financially you're on the poverty level. Many people can be on the poverty level. As a matter of fact, when he talked about a lot of baby boomers uh, working well into into their 70s, a lot of experts say, a lot of baby boomers who were making six high five and six figure incomes are also going to be living in government agencies or living in government communities. And let me just say this: this is so interesting because I saw that ten years ago. Literally, I saw that information coming out ten years ago. I also saw ten years ago that the U.S. government. Um, and the Department of Labor had pulled together to do a a huge research study on the impact the baby boomer market was going to have on the United States, and they realized that there was going to be a crisis in housing because so many baby boomers were going to be at the poverty level, even though they might have been making high five and six-figure incomes, a lot of the times they were living beyond their means, and so as a result, right? As a result, they were not going to have any money at retirement. This was going to cause a mass problem unless it was handled beforehand. And so that's what the U.S. has been doing. Many of you may have been seeing a lot of retirement communities popping up everywhere, right? Well, that is because it's been in the works for over 10 to 15 years because the U.S. already knows that the baby boomer era all of those people born in the baby boomer era is in trouble. And they already know that. They already see that. And so as a result, you will see all types of retirement communities and apartments uh, that are helping people, whether they are paying 100% of their rent or whether it's being supplemented by some type of government funding program, that is going on right this very instant. And so he's right on the money when he's talking about 
so many baby boomers working into their 70s. It's actually happening right now. And, again, he talked about the primary reason why most adults have financial problems, and that is because they are living beyond their means. They are responding to uh, instant gratification. They are trying to, as we know, the all-too-familiar phrase, keeping up with the Joneses instead of trying to live off of a percentage of what they make so that they can prepare for the long term, okay? And the long term doesn't become really important to a lot of adults until we are in our early 40s. We then begin to realize that I'm not too far from 65. I'm not too far from 65. I better start figuring out and planning. But then there are people right to this day that are well into their 50s and 60s that have not prepared for retirement. And for those individuals, the answer really is entrepreneurship. The answer is they're going to have to figure out some way to generate a larger amount of money, and a nine-to-five job is not going to cut it. I'm telling you it's not. And so, again, um, it's very, very important for you to have self-discipline when it comes to managing your money. So my big question to you, ladies, is how can you become self-disciplined today in um in taking care of your finances and budgeting your money and spending less. How can you do that? Well, the author, Brian Tracy, says it's time to rewire your responses about money. He says the starting point of achieving financial independence is to discipline yourself to rewire your attitude towards money. You need to reach into your subconscious mind and disconnect the wire linking spending and happiness. Okay, he says you need to then reconnect that happiness wire to the saving and investing wire. And I can literally see that happiness you're going in with snippers, snipping. And, and that's what he says that we need to really do, is that we really need to look at what are we linking happiness to. And I know for myself, I grew up with, uh, in a family where we always had meat on the table and we always were provided for it. But I do remember my mom struggling, and I always remember it was a happy time. When, when our family had money, when there was more than enough food on the table, when my mom, um, when my mom was able to pay and meet her bills, I, I know that there was a difference in the attitude not only of my parents, but it went out through the whole household. And so that is why a lot of people do associate having um, money and happiness, they associate with two. And so not having enough money makes a lot of people sad. Instead of them being grateful for what they do have, instead of them coming up with solutions and figuring out what they can do. For women who are in business, I notice that this, this you know, continues on, that thought path continues on. When you don't have money in your business, you get sad, um, you start feeling lonely instead of getting in a mode of solutions. How can I make more money in my business? How can I increase sales? So again, um, this money thing is a pretty serious uh, mode to be in, and it can really wreak havoc um, in a lot of people's lives. And so we really have to look at how do we rewire our responses about money altogether? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that money isn't important because it really is a very important thing. But what we need to really get untwisted, because I think sometimes we have it twisted, is that we make money. Money doesn't make us. And that's something very key that we need to understand, right? Money is an intangible object. We make money. And and we're the ones that generate services and products. We're the ones that have talent, potential, and knowledge, and we are we are able to exchange it to other people who are looking to have it. And that exchange happens to be currency. It happens to be money, right? And so we can't get that twisted. Money does not make us. We make it. And so it's time for us to rewire and associate happiness with savings, the author says. When you begin saving in a way that you connect having more money in your savings and, and storing for the long term um, with happiness, something miraculous happens within you. You start to feel happy about the idea of having money in the bank. 
Even if you open your account with just $10, this action gives you a feeling of greater self-control and personal power. You feel happier about yourself. The very act of disciplining yourself to save money makes you feel stronger and more in control of your destiny. Each time you get some extra money, you put it into your financial freedom account. Eventually, your financial freedom account will begin to grow. Then as it grows, you, you activate two laws. Law of attraction and the law of accumulation, because the money in your account is emotionalized by your own thoughts and feelings. It sets up a fourth field of energy that begins to attract more money into it. If you save ten dollars a month for a year, you will be astonished to find that 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 with the extra bits of money that you have put into that account, you will probably have more than 200 rather than 120. If you save 100 per month, you will probably have more like 2,000 instead of 1,200. He says the law of accumulation says that every great achievement is in accumulation of many small achievements. The law of attraction says that you attract into your life those things that are in harmony with your dominant thoughts. Because of these laws, your financial freedom account begins to grow with the miracle of compound interest. Now, I believe that wholeheartedly. You are as you think. Yes, you are. God developed that first. That whole concept was created by God the Father first. You need to understand and realize that you were pre-installed to be wealthy. You were pre-installed to be abundant. But it's, but it's also uh, God also pre-installed in us freedom, the freedom to think, the freedom to act, the freedom of knowledge. He installed the freedom of decision. And so we have that freedom, but when we make the wrong decisions, when we act on instant gratification instead of controlled gratification, then what happens is that we will enjoy things in the front window, but there's nothing in the storage room, right? There's nothing long-term going on, and as a result, it is going to impact our lives. This is why we have to become relentless in everything that we do, relentless in being knowledgeable, relentless in being a businesswoman, relentless in managing our lives the right way, which is so very, very important. So we're going to go ahead and move on. Now that we've read from the book, No Excuses, don't forget, get your copy, okay? Get your copy. We're going to go ahead and move right into our topic of developing business relationships, okay? Um, I want to just be very transparent and say I have developed some incredible relationships and I have failed in relationships that I have had in business, and it's been my fault. Um, so I come to you from a humble mode of sharing with you what really will work in building business relationships and what you need to understand um, in developing relationships that is going to help you to grow not only from a business perspective, but grow as a person and have a fulfilled life, okay? So let's get started. The first thing I want you to understand uh, before you even go out trying to develop business relationships with people is you've got to put yourself in check, right? And the reason why you've got to put yourself in check is because you need to personally understand that it all begins and it all starts with you in developing a business relationship. A lot of people start thinking about business relationship from a selfish perspective. They start thinking like, hey, I can go to this networking event and I can recruit people to be in my company, or I can go to this networking event and I can expect people to buy my products and my service. And so they go to, to networking events, they develop relationships from the wrong place, from the wrong heart mode, okay? So the first place that you need to start at, number one, with developing a business relationship is, first of all, you must be clear on what it is that you are ready to give and offer as a person, as a businesswoman. You've got to be really clear on that. And I'm just going to let you guys know what I have come to learn and understand because I was one of those in my 30s. I'm in my 50s now, but in my 30s, I was one of those drafty you know, self-absorbed 30-year-olds that thought they knew everything, a cocky attitude business women that was just interested in what I could get from other people sometimes. And in the long term, I lost, okay? I lost relationships that I really wished 
I could have held on to, I, I no longer have because it was my fault, okay? And I, what I want you guys to understand is you've got to get clear on who you are. And becoming authentic in who you are is the first step in developing strong business relationships because you've got to be willing to give just as much as you receive. So the one thing that I have learned is that you've got to be in the blessing business, right? Something just happens. You've got to be in the blessing business. God almost basically guarantees us that whatever we put out will come back. So we don't have to worry about taking stuff from people. It's automatically going to come back to us push down, shaking together, running over. God has promised us that. However, I don't think people really believe it because they don't practice it all of the time. And so you've got to get yourself in the mode of being a giver, of being a person who is in the blessing business to help other people. So it's very, very important. Once you get clear of that, once you get clear of, of the type of person that you need to be before you start building business relationships, and you set your, you adjust yourself, and you say, okay, this is this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a, uh, in the blessing business. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a helper. You will notice a lot of things in your life will start changing. So once you figure that out, once you actually start becoming authentic, once you become a giver. Once you begin to understand the importance of being in the blessing business and developing relationships you are now ready to start going forth and building those relationships. So with that said, let me go to number two. So number one was being authentic. Number one was, you know, getting clear on who you needed to be uh, or need to be in order to build a business relationship. But number two is being clear on the type of person that you want to build a relationship with, Okay. It's not always prudent to try to go with the most popular person or to only be wrapped up and tied up and being caught up in celebrityism just because somebody was seen on Facebook 50,000 times or just because somebody has 200,000 followers doesn't make the person who only has 100 followers any less important. You know, um, just because someone who is popular asks you to speak somewhere for an event it doesn't make the person who's just trying to start out who asks you to speak at their event any less important, right? It should be, right? So you've got to understand that just as it's important for you to understand where you need to be coming from, the heart mode that you need to be in, it's also important to understand the type of people that you are looking for to surround yourself with, the type of people that you're looking to be with as well. And the one thing that I don't like and I don't care for is I don't care to be around people who look down on others, right, just because they're not at a certain level in their business. Because what I have learned is that we all had to start at ground zero, honey. We all had to go there. We all had to do it. The other thing I've learned is that a lot of the times the very people who are out there appearing to, you know, to make all of this so-called money, a lot of people who are appearing to be um, highly successful are not as successful as they tout, as they make it appear to be. So you have to be very, very careful. That's why you can't fall for everything. But when you come from a place of authenticity, when you come from a place of, of a heart mode where you want to give and you want to bless other people's lives, then what's going to happen is that God is just going to open up a huge force field for you, and you will begin to see people coming into your life and blessing you. That's very important to understand, okay? Very, very important. Keep in mind that, you know, while you want that instant gratification to meet that highly popular person or that celebrity or that person that you think is doing wildly successful in their business, you want to connect with them and not with the person who don't seem to be doing as well, keep in mind that you had to start at ground zero or you still might be at ground zero, right? Keep that in mind. And that's what I try to keep in mind. When people come to me and ask me for help or when people share with me that they can't afford my coaching session. I don't turn them away in a, in a way that 
makes them feel like, well, wow, because I couldn't afford it, I'll never be able to have her coaching. No, I, I create special programs. I create special things just for that group of people so that they will know that I care. Very, very important. You know, I, I have many things that I could be blamed for in my lifetime, right? But one of the things that I don't think that I could ever be blamed for, and that is the lack of helping people, because I love people, and I will go to the end for my, my brothers, my sisters, my siblings. Um, I, I love family. I love my family so dearly, right? And I think about them all throughout the day, and I love people in, in, a, in a sincere manner. So I am not the type of person, I'm just not that type of person that will say, well, that person can't afford my services, they need to move on because I'm not going to help them. I'm just not that one, right? And I know a lot of people that are like that as well. So what do you do in that circumstance, right? Because you can go broke trying to help a whole lot of people when they don't have money, but what can you do? Well, you become proactive. You become a relentless businesswoman. You turn nobody away. You just develop programs. You develop things that can help them. Um, you take the time one time to develop, you know, a document or something that's going to help other people, right? Like, for example, I have so many people that come to me for help with business startup, but they say they don't have the funds. Uh, to, to really have the type of coaching that they need. So I, I automatically created an audio and a workbook like over five years ago, maybe longer than that. Um, and it's something that I give to people. When, they, when I feel that they're being sincere with me, I give them that, that audio and that workbook. And I say, well, you know what? I feel that this is going to help you. Now, this is what has happened because of that. Because of my gift, not selling that seed in their life, no, they – they maybe couldn't afford me at that time, but I can guarantee you that a large portion of those people over the years have come back to me in some shape or form and paid me for my services and have referred other people. That's why I say you have to get yourself in the blessing business when you're talking about building relationships, right? And you then have to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. Okay, not everybody is going to be the right person, a right fit for you. So you have to make sure, that's why you have to be clear on who you are, and then you can attract people who are most like you, okay? And a lot of times those individuals are going to share the same values, they're going to share the same goals, they're very important. The third thing I want to let you know is that when you're developing a business relationship, you have to court that person. It's like almost courting um, uh, someone in a, in a romantic relationship. You do have to court that person and let them know and show them that you are indeed interested in having a long-term business relationship. So how do you do that? How do you court other people? The first thing that you do, right, is that um, I think flattery and an authentic uh, compliment really work well. And so the first thing I think that you need to do is you need to just send a simple email to the person and let them know that you admire them and you have watched the good work that they are doing and you would love the opportunity to take them out to lunch or the opportunity to connect with them. I think that's very, very important. And then from there, I think it's key to um, invite that individual to perhaps networking events that the two of you may have in common, ask them if they'd like to go. Feel free to buy them a, a ticket to some a business event that you think that they may like as well. The other thing I think is key, too, is sow seeds into their lives. If you have people that you can refer to that other person, refer to that other person. If you have something that can help that other person's business, then help them, right? And don't expect anything in return. Remember, you're in the blessing business, right? Very, very key. In addition to that, though, it's important to let them know who you are. So I have a technique that I use that has worked tremendously well, and I hope uh, as I'm sharing it that it will work with many of you as well. I call it a connection call. And you know how we have all these friends on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, but we don't know even a tenth of all of those people. But there is a way for you to get to know those individuals, right? And I call it a connection call. And so I use this both on social media and I use it offline uh, in offline marketing as well. So what I do is when I go to a networking event and I meet an individual, I don't call
call them wanting something from them, whether I call them to schedule a connection call, a connection meeting, a connection breakfast, I call them to connect with them so that I can learn who they are. Because I need to be able to feel that person's aura. I need to be able to have the opportunity to get to know who they are. What kind of business do they really have? How long have they been in business? What do they do? Um, because I don't like referring anyone to someone that I don't know or haven't tried out their services. Uh, it's very rare that I will do that, okay? So it's very, very key to get to know an individual. So that's number one. The next thing that I want to do during that connection call, if they accept my connection call, and what I have learned is usually about 85 to 90% of the people that you invite to a 15 to 20-minute connection call, especially online, they're going to say yes. You can make them feel comfortable with it, but they, can, they are going to say yes. Um, you want to make sure that the connection call is even. So you want to set the pace at the very, very beginning to say, well, listen, if you initiated the call, you want to say, hey, Lisa, I want to go ahead and let you share with me what you do, uh, and then I can share with you what I do as well, and we can go from there. And so, you know, it's an even exchange. And then you let her do that. You want to also ask questions, take notes of what the person is saying, ask them questions to let them know that you are seriously listening to them. And then you want to um, preempt with saying, I'm really appreciative of you sharing your business information with me, and I may have a few questions for you a little bit later. Um, is it okay now if I go ahead and share with you what I do? Then you go on into sharing what you do. But when you share, I don't want you to just share what you do. I want you to share how you can benefit that other person, okay? Don't just try to sound professional listing out a lot of products and services. Share how you can help them, okay? Very, very key. And then the next thing is what you've got to understand is that you've got to get them connected in your tribe or in your communication system. This is very key as well because oftentimes if you don't get them connected in your communication system, what's going to happen is that you will cut the tie and lose connections with them automatically. So what I want you to do is I want you to make sure you get their permission to add them to your weekly e-newsletter or your weekly update, something that you do that will keep them connected with who you are and what you do. If they have a business that's compatible and not competitive with yours, then you also may want to um, highlight them in your newsletter and say, hey, I want to introduce you guys to such and such. We met at a networking event, just had a, uh, a, a great conversation with this person, really appreciate what they do. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do to bring them into your fold. But here's the, the big thing that you need to understand about building a relationship. When you show a person that you care and that you are ready to support them, that you are ready to share um, valuable information with them and resources and connect them with others, that person becomes um, a loyal, not only a loyal follower, but that person is interested in also developing a long-term relationship with you as well. And they will reciprocate without you asking for the business or without you asking them for something. However, there are going to be times, there really are, there are going to be times when you are going to meet people who are really highly selfish. They will, they will continue and allow you to give, 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 give to them, but they never give anything in return. And so with that, I want to say is that you should always want to look for win-win situations, but there's a time where you also have to learn how to set that person aside and explain to them what you are feeling. But even if they don't give anything in return, you need to keep moving on and being the type of person that you have decided to be. And I'm hoping that it's a person uh, of authenticity, a person who is in the blessing business, and a person who's about sharing resources and information because that is going to take you a long way. I know what I'm talking about because I've developed a network of thousands of businesswomen across the world all because I was willing to be in the blessing business. And so I want to encourage you with that as well. Well, that's all we have for today. I hope that you ladies have really, truly enjoyed um, listening to the show today. I hope you have taken some nuggets from it. And I want you to understand that this 
year, the mindset you need to have is that of being a relentless businesswoman. You must press forward, come up with solutions, never stop working towards being a better person, a better business CEO, and you must change your mindset altogether into that of a relentless businesswoman if you want to see results. So I wish you an abundant and a productive week, and I pray that all of you are being the businesswoman that you would be proud of. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.